Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The title sponsor of this episode is Peterson Toyota. They're the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. They've been doing it for 50 years. Their staff is top-notch. They put your needs first. They got an awesome selection at best prices, and their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. A couple new vehicles they've got out this year that you need to check out. One is the Toyota 4Tuner GR Sport. It's a body-on-frame, rear-wheel drive SUV. Really sharp looking vehicle. And you've also got the 2021 RAV4. It's a hybrid. Uh, You can choose from 17 or 18 inch alloy wheels. They've got a two-tone roof, enhanced 10-year hybrid battery with 106 warranty from the date of first use or 150,000 miles, whichever comes first. This is an awesome, awesome car as well. Oh, and they're also looking to buy your car. All right. They want to give top dollar. Uh, they will make a cash offer to you. So if you're interested in that, call their used car manager, at Casey Botkin, 970-266-7315, and he'll take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please support our great sponsor, Peterson Toyota. Give them first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa, joined by Michael Rowe. Uh, Colorado State is coming off a brutal 24-21 loss to Vanderbilt at home Saturday night. Uh, Vanderbilt, an SEC team, yes, but uh, one that hasn't beaten an FBS team since midway through the 2019 season. They'd lost 13 in a row. And uh, CSU got off to a great start in the first quarter. Actually, was very nice to see. We were talking in the stands about... uh, now, this is more like it. Where was this last week? But uh, that that success didn't last long. The team basically forgot how to play after that. It was a crushing loss, to say the least, especially after opening the season with a loss to FCS, South Dakota State. Even though it was 2 a.m. when I got home, I just couldn't sleep. I was just irked by this. Um, and to take the edge off, I finished off what was left of the bottle of Parse rum that we had served at our tailgate. The people who tried it there loved it. We were all marveling how you can kind of sip it on ice uh, like a whiskey. This particular, the Brothers Blend, is aged in in whiskey barrels, in fact. But they also have an 8-year and a 12-year. This is a Colombian rum, and it's founded by a longtime Ram Nationer, Parse Rum. People are asking me where you get it. It's at Aggie Liquors in Fort Collins, as well as Wilbur's and the Liquor Cabinet. Uh, it's also available at PJ's and Longmont. And then for those of us down in Denver, Argonaut Liquors and Applejack all carry it. We will be bringing more of this um, to future tailgates. But, you know, I am not being paid to say any of this. <laughs> These guys donated some bottles for our contest and um, to, to share at tailgates. So uh, it afforded me the opportunity to taste it. And, man, it is good. So I thought I would tell you about it. It certainly did the trick when I needed it on Saturday night. All right. To talk further in depth about Saturday's game and what we think we can expect for the rest of the season. Mike and I are welcoming in Marty Lenz, and uh, he brings a great perspective. Marty is a Denver native, a CSU alum, a former wide receiver from 1986 to 1989 for the Rams. He's the current host of KOA's Colorado Morning News. 
He's a diehard Ram fan. Uh, we really appreciate him coming in. Love seeing him at tailgates and catching up with him. He brings a great perspective. So, Marty, thanks for joining us, buddy. Well, I'm, I'm glad to join both of you. I mean, there's nothing that I get more excited about and even upset about than when it comes to Colorado State. So I am I am very passionate. And, and like you all, there's times where I feel like I have to walk away from the ledge a little bit. Um, but I, I do try to keep semi of a perspective, but I, I do understand the frustration of, of Ram fans and Ram Nation at the moment. I Because I feel it too. I feel it too. Well, I kind of went rogue on Mike the other night on my way home. I was driving by myself because um, I had to drive separately up there on Saturday. So I had an hour and a half to myself in my thoughts. And I said, well, why don't I just pick up my phone and record a, a uh, dingy little podcast and uh, against my better judgment, got on there and start spouting off a little bit about my frustrations, but uh, would love to hear yours. I know you were there that, on Saturday night and um what were just some general thoughts of what you saw on the field? Well, the first thought that comes to mind is, is kind of like you. I, I saw initially uh, quite a bit of improvement, at least what I thought, between the first and second game. Mind you, I think there was a difference in opponent, and that probably helps as well. And before we get talking about Vanderbilt, I want people to know South Dakota State, yes, they're FCS, but don't be confused by the letters. That team would probably be mid-pack in the Mountain West this year. That is a pretty good program. Um but having said that, we didn't put our best foot forward there. We did in the first half with Vanderbilt. We had our way with it. Uh, missed opportunities. Those always hurt. And when you're a team like CSU, you got to take advantage of those because right now, and it's apparent, we're not quite at that talent level or consistent level to where we can make mistakes. Second half, I guess my biggest takeaway was this, was Vanderbilt made adjustments and we didn't. And I, I'm a little perplexed as to why. Um Special teams, you know, our kicking game and the standpoint of, of field goals hurt, uh, you know, and I hate to take young people to task, but those two field goals obviously are the difference in the game. And that makes it difficult to think that that's a game we should have won. Uh, but again, there were there. I felt this year that I, I thought our defense was going to be kind of our lead card. And, and so far, I'm, I, I get a little disappointed and frustrated in our defense because we seem to still have issues with getting off on third and long. Or, or making making necessarily that big play. You know, we had a chance to have an interception there, and that would have been a big play, and, and those things happen. But that, that could have been a real catalyst to wrap up the game. Um, you know, but then, you know, Vanderbilt drove down the field and scored. So that, that's my biggest takeaway is we didn't adjust to those things. And, yes, Vanderbilt is an SEC team. I think most of the times you say, hey, if we play that close with an SEC program and lose by three, we should feel pretty good. But not, not, not this iteration of – of Vanderbilt. So I think that's the frustrating thing is I think, you know, we took two steps forward, but in some degrees, three steps back with, with where we're at. And I think the greater frustration that people have, no one likes to lose, but I get the sense that people feel there's a little bit of a lack of accountability from the coaching staff. And without being too critical, because I'm not saying that coach does doesn't see improvement, doesn't see effort in the guys, but I got to tell you, as a Ram fan, it's tough for me to hear him in the press conferences talking about those things, not saying, hey, this is insufficient still. The buck stops with me. We, I would like to see more of what I thought he was being hired for, which is almost an old school kind of Earl Bruce type coach where, you know, I take no prisoners and I don't, you know, this getting close is baloney. Uh, we need to get over the top. 
because right now is, is the worst time possible to not put your best foot forward with the program, with all the conference shuffling and everything else that's going on. So I think those are the things that I take away. I, I you know, I, I kept hearing about how he's a great line coach and, and the toughness this program is going to have. And I, and I hate to question kids' hearts. I'm not questioning their hearts, but I'd like to see that toughness. I'd like to see that physicality. I'd like to see us impose our will for more than just two quarters, two plus quarters. And that's the thing I find I'm finding a little bit of heartburn and frustration with. Yeah, I, I would like to see a little more accountability in some sense, I feel, from the coaching staff than what I've heard the past, the past couple of weeks. So that's probably that's where I sit with most of this. It felt like a, it felt like him campaigning in the post game, and then again, um, you know, I listened to his actual press conference. Then I listened to him when he spoke with Brian Roth, and then I listened to the Monday press conference. And there's a lot of campaigning, like trying to trying to justify what we saw. And he always comes back around to saying, you know, at the end of the day, it's not good enough. Um, we have a lot of injuries, you know, and then he'll he'll start laying out all the things that are working against them. But hey, we got to get over those things, you know, and and. At, I am 100% in agreement with you. That was exactly not what I expected from him. I thought it was, we are here to take no prisoners, like you said, winning. We have to win at all costs. We have to be relentless on the field and, and stop at nothing to get a win. And now it's, you know, I'm seeing the bar being moved. I heard, I heard a comment in his Monday press conference that, you know, now our, our, our goal is we just got to keep getting better every year, every week. And you know, we hope that translates into wins, you know, whether or not we were good enough to have that, the number of wins we'd like to this, this year, I don't know, you know, so he's already starting to move the bar. Uh, when at the beginning of the season, it was like, we need to win. Now we understand we have the personnel and the talent to win now. And now we're, I'm, I'm just seeing him get the can down the road a little bit. And it's frustrating. It is a little frustrating because I'm, I've always appreciated. I, I like listening to him talk. I think he comes across as a confident leader, um, but when I listened to him after the game um, and some of the some of the things he said and then just getting animated a little bit and, and someone asked him a, a question about uh, are you afraid of losing the locker room, which quite honestly, I, I, it may be a little too early for that comment, but it's not unfair. I mean, you got some a bunch of seniors that have that have come on board uh, that have decided to stay on board. Um, you also have the fact that that. Uh, he brought in a lot of guys from the East coast and his former team, Boston college. And they immediately were inserted into the starting lineup ahead of guys that have been here and working their way through this program. And you just wonder, and it hasn't really necessarily panned out with the guys that he's replaced. So um, you wonder if you do start losing the locker room, but anyway, that set him off and he started going on this tangent of, you know, I'm, I'm tired of talking about this negative. Let's talk about some of the positive things that we did and, and those big explosive plays we hit. I'm like, no, you, we don't care about that after you just lost two in a row to start the season, especially the, this Vanderbilt team. So um, I, I was a little bit surprised by that and it, it set me back a little bit, but um, that being said, I would like to, Michael, to get your, your thoughts on, on what you saw um, positives and, and concerns. Well, uh, you know, one thing I really noticed is exactly what we saw the previous five years under Mike Bobo. And Marty, you, you alluded to, to two of these special teams play. You know, Stonehouse is is amazing. Uh, you know, Jimmy Kaler was on here with us a, a few weeks ago and said that he uh, has an NFL leg. But outside of that, I mean, missing field goals, uh, especially at inopportune times, we had a chance to, to bury, bury Vandy in the first half. Didn't get it done. 
And then halftime adjustments. We, I mean, you go back to, to Bobo's tenure, and every time at halftime, I mean, you you look the scripted plays that he had when we came out. We we moved the ball. We were explosive, you know. And then at halftime, that went away. And this is what we've seen two weeks in a row. We are we've been outscored twenty eight to nothing in the third quarter this season, in two in two games. That's on the staff right there. That is 100% on the coaching staff. You know, we were told, you know, one thing I noticed, we were told for years that Mike Bobo was a great recruiter, that we had talent. And he just wasn't the right coach to, to, to mold that talent into a winning team. And that's why we hired somebody with experience, like Coach Adazio, to come in and he was going to instill that toughness. He was going to instill that uh, that focus and and playing the game the right way, and we were going to take that talent and start winning immediately. That's why we got an experienced coach, and we haven't seen that. We, we're seeing our better players making dumb penalties. We're uh, seeing plays. You know the toughness part. Our offensive line, our defensive line, they're not getting off the line. You know, how many times did Adazio say that in that in that Labor Day press conference when he was like, well, you know, we got to go forward. We're going backwards, you know, on both sides. We're not doing that. And, and that was why we were told Coach Adazio was hired, because that's what he was going to bring. He was going to bring with ready to ready to win talent. And now we're staring at one and six over the last two seasons. I made a post, and this is all kind of related, but I made a post today on the board that what I am seeing that disappoints me is the lack of attention to detail. And that was something that has killed us in both games and especially Saturday night. And and I recalled when, Mike, you were probably there with us at this moment, but we were in Albuquerque for the New Mexico Bowl in 2013 and just remember seeing the team out in the parking lot because there wasn't enough room in the ballroom or something. And they were going through walkthroughs of things in the parking lot at night, uh, the night before the game. And uh, he was, McElwain was so meticulous about paying attention to those details and being prepared for every scenario. And, and you just, and he talked the talk and he actually followed through with the way he coached. Um, and he did, maybe we had a smaller sample size. He was here for three years and had two two pretty decent years those those two years. Um, and and I just feel like maybe the, maybe it was a small enough sample size that we just didn't see enough penalties that we remember or mistakes and miscues. But winning cures everything, and he seemed to do it right. And since Bobo and now Adazio through six games, we see a lot of these really bizarre penalties. And Bobo or uh, Adazio himself even brought up the fact that how how did we have a false start on a field goal. He goes, I, I can't look at, I can't look you in the eye and give you a real answer about that. Well, you have to teach this discipline. You can't have, you can't have your best player, uh, Trey McBride, get a unsportsmanlike penalty on the sidelines as he goes into the, the uh, Vanderbilt bench and shove the ball into somebody and, and give it cost us 15 yards. I mean, that's a guy that you, we all love. And he's, he's, our go-to, our best player, and he makes a bad mistake like that's because this it's not being emphasized enough. It's being tolerated in the program. And so those are things that really, really disappoint me. Well, and I think that to your point, I think Adazio we thought was going to bring this grind and this discipline. And, and I'll mention something else as well. And I forget the young defensive back's name, but how many times was he in great coverage? All he has to do is turn his head and make the play. 
how many long, you know, it was third and forever and they'd get a pass interference and that would advance Vanderbilt's offense. I mean, it's, you know, every time we had a chance to stop them, we ended up shooting ourselves in the foot. It wasn't necessarily that Vanderbilt was making better plays. We made dumb plays on defense to help them get that. I don't, I don't know what, you know, how many first downs maybe they got on penalty and it maybe isn't that much, but, but there are two times that the Vanderbilt QB made a long pass and our defensive back who it was, was in tremendous position. All he has to do is the classic look up when you see the receiver's eyes and turn around, he turns around, he'll never get that call. But when you're doing this in face guarding, that's going to be 15 every time. And to your point, that's coaching. You as the defensive back coach got to say, you got to turn around. I don't care what your position is. You're never going to get that call because every weft with their salt, especially in a push to, to expose offense, both on the pro level and college level, is always going to give that call to, to, to the offensive player be saying, well, you're face guarding them. You're not, you're not giving them a fair chance to get the ball and not turning your head. Those are things like that that drive me nuts. Yes, the discipline part. And the other thing too, and even though we did a much better job against Vandy, and there's a variety of reasons because Vandy's not as good as South Dakota State, we did start to move the ball because I really thought this offense, man, we're going to be ground and pound, ground and pound. So we got better with that with Vanderbilt. But the times I felt like we kind of, you know, maybe got away with it. I don't want to say we got too cute. That was something that Coach Bobo did. Sometimes he was too cute by half with the offense. I was like, geez, just keep it steady and eddy and we're going to be, be just fine. But there were times I'm just saying, where's that thing? We've got the momentum. We can win this in the trenches if we do that. That's probably my other disappointment because Adazio is supposed to be an offensive line guru or has that reputation. And I have yet to see that come to a full, full fruition. I see, I see fits and starts with it. And then here's the other problem, guys. And I don't have to tell you this. And Mike addressed, we could be one and six. Our schedule is starting to look a heck of a lot tougher than it initially did on paper. Uh, I mean, Toledo should have beaten Notre Dame. And, and that's going to be tough. Iowa right now, people are saying, is the best team in the Big Ten right now. The Mountain West right now is probably top to bottom. The best it's been, I'll say, in maybe a decade. And, you know, thank God we don't play Fresno State this year. Um, but, I mean, San Jose State's going to be decent. All these teams lining up, the usual, the Boise's, the rivalry games. I mean, everybody's gotten at least a little better. And we've either stayed static or we've regressed. And, and again, this is a variety of reasons. This is not the right time to do this because one, you just want to win and have success in your conference. But if we're trying to put our best foot forward for potential shifting and movement and an invite somewhere, this isn't the way, this isn't the way to go, to go about it. Now, having said that, I don't want to be too critical of, of coach Adazio just yet because he had a, you know, I don't, last year was an incomplete season. So, you know, and, and sadly, most of the games that were canceled last year were probably games that CSU could have won or definitely would have had a great chance to win. So that's that's tough to market on that. But like I said, getting into this now and seeing some of the same mistakes that we maybe saw a little bit last year. But again, you know, that's a mulligan. But just seeing culturally from the team prior to Adazio's arrival, those are the things that frustrate me. And so. Culture sometimes is an overused word, but I, I have, I think at some point there has to be some sort of mindset or cultural shift with this. And again, I don't want to blame the kids, but I'm saying, you know, are we, are we missing out by recruiting the kids that we had back in the day? If you want to say under Sunny, a lot of local products, certain pipelines of places. And have we gotten away from that? Because our brand of football that we play here, if you want to say in the mountain states where it's cold or like the Rust Belt, and that's one thing I do like about Adazio, we coach in a place where it gets cold and they have weather. And I think that may help. But, but I do wonder if there's something in that chemistry, 
You know, I'm a firm believer in chemistry over biology. I love having the Jimmy's and Joe's, as they say, but you can have all the biology in the world, but if it doesn't mix in the soup, you're not going to have anything. And we are missing right now chemistry. And it's and it's it's everything. It's not just the coast. It's just the combination of the players. It's just the environment. And I don't know how we break through that. But but I, I coming back to the thing, I, I mainly, I would like to see, in my opinion, I'd like to see Coach Adazi and the staff take a little more accountability. Doesn't mean he can't defend himself in his program. It doesn't mean I want him to eviscerate players and the coaches. But when he was challenged about the culture in the locker room, you know what he'd say? You know what? If I am, that's on me, but I'm not going to. And I would like to even say, because I owe this team more than that. I owe them more than what's going on right now. And maybe it would just, you know, soothe the wound for a while. But I think if fans heard that, I think they'd be like, okay, at least he's saying the right things right now, even though what we're seeing on the field is not right. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You know, one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way after the South Dakota State loss we talked about how the crowd was was too big and that it affected some of the younger players. And I'm like, well, that's what that's what it's supposed to be about. We're supposed to have big crowds. We're supposed to have a lot of fans cheering for us. And that was used as an excuse. Then, then yesterday he talked about the game being too late and that night games didn't help and it, and it throws off the team. And I'm like, why is that an excuse? It's later for, for Vandy. You know, they're coming from, from the eastern part of the, of the United States. This is – and we're CSU. We got good playing night games under Sonny. You know, we – I mean, we made Thursday night football on ESPN. We've been on night games for the last six years. It, that should have been something known, <laughs> you know, and, and to, to even bring that up, both those points up, to even bring them up, even if there's a, a truth behind it, it just sounds so bad. And the optics on it are just so bad. It you is. Optics. It, it's optics, Mike. I, I, I don't necessarily fault him because I, I, I know where he he's not throwing that at, as, a, as an excuse. I think he was going on a rant about all the things that can work against the team. But I think at the end of the day, he owned the first game loss. He said it was completely on him. And I listened to Antoine Smith, our uh, defensive line coach on the um, Monday night coaches show uh, a couple nights ago and he, or last night, I guess it was. Um, and he basically said the same thing is I, I feel like I'm letting my, the, the losses on me, but at the end of the day, you know, we're not out there playing. Those players have got to, to step up and make plays when we need them. He goes, I, I saw a great improvement from our defensive line. Um, but what I did see that I feel like we really need to step up and, and make a change with is when the game's on the line, when you have a chance that our, our offense just stepped up and marched down the field at the end of the game to tie it up and we have a chance to get off the field and we didn't, he goes, I feel like I let them down, but at the end of the day, you know, the players have got to do it, but I feel like they're saying the right things. Um, but what, what bugs me is the, is the rationalization for the loss and trying and almost campaigning as to say this we're building this thing brick by brick right we're, we got we, we got a ways to go but that's not what he said at the beginning of the year beginning of the year he said we're built to win now we're ready to win now we have to win now and now it's brick by brick we're not sure you know if we're going to meet the number of wins that's going to satisfy everybody this year he kind of alluded to that on his show last night so that's what's kind of frustrating it and to me it needs to be look None of this is good enough. We have got to win now. Uh, we have to figure out how to start with win number one at Toledo. And, 
he did sort of say that, but he followed up with, but we're banged up. We got nobody in the secondary and we're playing a lot of freshmen. Like, so it's all these, these built in, you know, not excuses, but he's, he's thrown them in there to, to, to make, you know, that, you know, if we don't quite, if we don't win and we don't look quite as good as we think it's might be because of this, this, and this. So, well, and that gets that philosophy though. It's next man up. And what you do is you encourage your kids by saying, I know we're young. I know we have injuries, but it's next man up to step in and get the experience and do the role. Joel, you, you said something that's right. You know, we don't play, the coaches don't play, the players don't play, but I, I want to address something because this has bugged the living crap out of me. And I think both you and Mike know where I'm going to go, go with this is we have a fan base that cares. I love that we care, but we also, we also have to, to look in the mirror a little bit with the things that we can control as alums and fans. And I, and I want to address something quickly when it comes to that all this buzz about conference expansion. One of the data points is our fans in the stands and viewers that watch us on TV. And I just simply say this, if you think by withdrawing your support by not watching on TV and not going to games and not giving money, you think you're helping CSU and you think you're going to engineer coaches change. My friend, you are sadly mistaken because what you're going to do is you're going to continue to allow CSU to malinger in a spot to where we have all the other data points for the most part, you know, checked off in boxes, in some cases in spades to advance, if you want to say, to a bigger conference. Winning is important, but that's not the only thing. They look at fan engagement, fan support. So when I see some of our fans saying, well, I don't want to give another dime, my first question is, well, do you give a dime in the first place? Because most people that say that don't give anything, and that's academically or athletically. And then secondly, when I see this false comparison, and again, no one's a bigger homer for CSU and thinking, hey, I want to compete with the big boys and everything. And I think we have opportunities and I think there's times we can shine and be on that stage. But these people that conflate us with with uh, in this case, the University of Southern California, see that they fire their coach and saying we need to do the same thing. Look, I'm going to share some things with you. The University of Southern California's endowment for the university is five point seven billion billion dollars. Our endowment at Colorado State University is $512 million. That is a 10-time difference. And then here's the point more relevant. USC in revenue in sports last year, revenue made $50 million. CSU's whole budget for athletics, $54 million. Y'all need to shut up that are out there on social media talking about, we need to fire our coach. Because here's what you do. If you want to fire your coach, you want to replace the AD, you better open your wallet to the tune of about $15 million. Pry it open right now, pay that money. That's how those things get done. Or you better donate to our endowment fund to where we have billions of dollars to where we can take that sliver and give it to this to do this. That is silly. And that doesn't solve the problem. Part of the problem that ails us that's off the field that we can control as fans is by continuing to support. It doesn't mean you don't have a right to be frustrated or angry or be critical or question. We as fans have that right in the sense that we've paid a certain amount of dues. If we're ticket holders, donors, fans go to the games, we have a right to say, Hey man, I'm not satisfied with the product, but y'all need to take a gut check and a mirror check and look at yourselves and say, what am I doing to hold the programming back program back? And if you think by withholding your money now at this spot, that's the wrong, wrong thing to do. And you cannot compare our program with the University of Southern California as much as I wish to Jesus we could. I wish we could. You are smoking crack if you think you can. It's an apples to lug nuts comparison, at least on that money part. It's ridiculous. Now, as for judgment, 
making any kind of move like that, and I'm addressing probably only a handful of people on social media, that doesn't change what ails us right now. We have to, we have to kind of see it through a little bit. Making any move, drastic move like that, is not going to change our current state. It doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable, but by doing away with this, that's just, that's, that's just ridiculous. And you can see universities that have done that all over the place, and they are no better off. We, we unfortunately don't have that financial luxury to do that. And I also say that's not the right thing to do. Going back to at least Coach Adazio, he's only been here, you say two seasons, but last year doesn't count. Still trying to get it in. I don't like sometimes what he says, but he's got to get a chance to at least get some progress with his vision with this team. In the case of Joe Parker, he's doing what he can in the conditions that are set up for him. And when people bring up Joyce McConnell as well, I, I mean, it's just, it's nuts. So we have to have a little bit of reality. It doesn't mean we can't have frustration with some of this, but when I see them, we need to fire this person, this person, do that. I'm not spending my money. You're part of the problem as well by advocating and doing those things. And if I hurt people's feelings in that thing, then I'm sorry. But by doing that, by, by saying I'm going to pull away funds, resources, and I'm going to trash everybody in the process. There's a difference about being critical like we are, I think, and then trashing people in the process. That's not how winning programs are built. You need to be winners as fans first by doing our part if you expect the same thing from the product on the field and from your administration. I yield the floor. <laughs> well, look, Marty, um, I, I agree with you. I agree with the, the principle of what you say. Um, the problem with with CSU's fan base, the problem with CSU in general is, is the lack of success over a long period of time, lack of sustain, sustained success. That means we lose generations of alumni um, from caring about football, right? And so if you're going to engage them, then you're going to have to win. You're going to have to win for not just one game, not just a few games and not go 500 and maybe go seven and six on a season and lose a bowl game. You're going to have to have some peak seasons like you did with Sonny and do it over the multiple years, be conference championship contenders. Um, because yes, us three, and then a lot of the people that we know and the people that we sit around at the stadium and people on Ram nation, these guys are the passionate fans. Unfortunately, we don't have a, enough of these kind of guys. Right. And we do yeah. see the, the guys voice their displeasure and that I'm pulling my money and I'm, I'm not attending games. I'm not watching them ever again. Yeah. There's a few of those. Right. But the bulk of them will continue to support and follow up. It's the fringe fans. It's the fans that are kind of, you know, when things are going well, that those are the people we need to fight for and keep. And it's not going to happen with this product right now. There's just too much in Colorado. There's too many options. There's um, there's too much to do. I'll give you an example for myself personally. Um, and I don't miss games, right? I, I miss the only time I would ever miss a game is if my, my kid had a, a, a youth event that, you know, I have to put them first. Right. So uh, that's happened a few times in my, in my, over the last six, seven years, but I had a family gathering in New Jersey, the Jer Jersey shore this past weekend, uh, which my beloved uncle, my dad, my mom, my aunt, um, other friends were all going to this event at this house on the Jersey shore. I declined because I wanted to go to see Vanderbilt, only the second SEC team to ever visit our stadium, uh, our, our in Fort Collins. I wanted to see that. And I wanted to hang out with my friends. We hadn't been able to do this, you know, for a whole year. So I put CSU as a priority there next year, if this thing happens and we go 0-12 this year, that's going to be a harder decision for me, quite honestly, because family's family, right? And, 
and this product is not engaging me. So I can see the argument. I can see where people get frustrated. Um, and, and I, 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 I've always been at the same kind of mentality as you, Marty, where I get irritated with our fans when they make those comments and, and decide, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to support CSU or I'm not going to this and that. I, I, I am getting to a point where I'm having a harder time getting on them for that. You know, I, I, I have a hard time blaming them for that. So no, and I, and I, and I want to validate, I want to validate for Shane, because I think what you say is true. And I, I do think there's been lost generations. Look, I'm older than both of you and my generation, the 50 plus, um, there aren't a lot of those fans. And, and so that gets to the other point too, saying this is the lowest point in CSU's history. Well, I played on two teams that went one and 11 and one and 10 in back-to-back seasons. I know about low points with, with, with CSU football. Um, it's just, it's, it's just hard for me to hear that because yes, I think we are all frustrated. And you're right. I would never tell anybody what to do with their own dollars. You have a right to do with it. I guess my point is if you think withdrawing it from CSU helps advance the program you're actually wrong it's count it's a little counterintuitive and i'm saying don't it doesn't mean you shouldn't show your displeasure or express yourself in the process i have to say we got to look at things within a realistic realm of what we can or can't do and i realize the usc example it's a few people mentioned that I, it's a small sample but it's just something that annoys me by saying you got to look at it a little more realistically and you're right there are other things to do and i've heard that argument before and you and i joel have talked about that and i'm sure mike as well but there are a lot of places where it's beautiful and they still can get people in the stands, you know, this, because, and I hate to reference them, but the university of Colorado, when they were mediocre too, could still fill out their stadium. And we could talk about, well, they maybe play better competition. There's more of, of, you know, more of that. But I also say, well, you go see your own team. You don't, don't, don't go see who's coming in though. That can be attractive. And, and, and I understand that too. So I, I sometimes think, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying what you're saying is not true, but sometimes that's used as an easy excuse saying, well, I, I've got so many other things to do. And what happens is a lot of people say that, and you know what they're doing? They're sitting on their couch watching other college football games. And that's fine. That's their choice. And I'm not saying you do that, but I'm just saying that's, that's, I sometimes hear that. And I, I kind of quinge a little bit saying, well, so CSU is so unique in that, that it's such a wonderful area and venue in Colorado. No one else has anything else to do. That's just, I find that a little unrealistic because I've been to Oregon. I've been to Seattle. I lived in Northern California. There's a lot to do those places. And I can tell you, Cal Berkeley ain't any good. You fall out of bed and they can get 45 or 50,000 for their games. Um, and that doesn't include when they play Stanford, their big rival. So anyway, but I, but I, I digress a little bit, but you're right. I, I, I understand where people are like, if I have to make a choice, I may not choose CSU to go totally, totally understand that. And to your point, you have to make the product attractive. And, and, and it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose the way we've been losing. And I think that can be demoralizing as well. So I think that's where you're going. And I get that because it's like, I hate losing, but losing the last few years that the way we've lost, is just like, this is just not, it's inferior football. And I know we have better assets, better tools, better players. And I'd even say sometimes better coaches, but maybe aren't coaching up to a level. I know it's there. I don't know what that elixir is. Maybe what Sonny did was truly a freaking miracle. Maybe, maybe it's such a greater miracle than we ever appreciate and realize with Sonny and just the timing wasn't right. We didn't have the right administration in place that would be there to support him like they do now and have that. And we would, who knows where we'd be. So maybe, maybe what CSU suffers from is just a lousy lack of timing with being bad at the wrong time and maybe being good at the wrong time too. So I, I don't know. Here's, so. what, here's what's really frustrating to me. Um, outside of BYU who supports that team thick and thin, yeah. right. And, and 
50, 60,000 people every, every game, 18,000 people in their basketball arena. That's, that's a different animal, right? But you look at the Houston Cougars who have never really been anything in football. You've got some spikes here and there, but in 2019, uh, they averaged 26,000 people, right? At, at their stadium, right? And then uh, Cincinnati, they had their biggest attendance ever, average attendance ever, uh, because they've come off, what, five great years in a row, four, three or four great years in a row. Um, and they averaged 35,000 in 2019. Um, but prior to that, who were they in football until this basketball school? Recent run? The basketball school, right? <laughs> yeah. They, were, yeah. they were never anything. UCF has just came on the scene in the last eight years, right? And they got a really hot run. And uh, the capital, I built a stadium and, and now they've got a national brand. And it, this all happened like that in, in a matter of just, you know, less than 10 years that they, each of these schools have positioned themselves for this. Well, and here's, here's, here's part of this though. BYU is another animal by, by far BYU makes the most sense because they are a, you know, definitely a regional to a national brand. You bring them in. I've always said BYU should be a part of that. And, and the big 12 won't have the religious issues because they already have TCU and have Baylor. You're simply now going, and this is to my point that I started off with, you're going for data points. Houston is a major, major TV metro market. Now, I don't know how much you peel away from the University of Texas and some of the other schools, but it's just a huge metro market. Even if you get, you know, 2% of the TVs in a market like Houston, you're getting a lot of viewers. Orlando, good size TV market. Cincinnati, not as much, but but there's a partnership that you want to have, even though the, the, the idea of traveling partners in conferences is kind of you know, archaic. They needed someone that's in the region of West Virginia. That's why I have it. That's where I say I get frustrated when I look at this because Denver's a bigger TV market than Orlando, way bigger than Cincinnati, much bigger than Salt Lake City, not nearly as huge as Houston. That's different. It's a major metro area. But now you're flying over us to get to BYU. Part of it probably is because we're not having that success, but also part of it gets to that point. They see, well, house fan engagement, house investment, how, how, even though it's a big TV market, how many of those sets are turned over to watch CSU on TV? Now, playing late at night does not necessarily help the cause in some viewing areas. We do play later because we're in that squeeze mountain time zone. But otherwise, other places seem to make it work where the times don't always work. So my point is, we have a lot of those data points, but if fans think they can withdraw now, because the exact reason, as you say, it's not that any of these teams are tremendous in that gift UCF is new is that new smell BYU's got some of the legacy in history it's like CSU can have all the things we just got to win but we got to continue to support by literally showing up by getting eyeballs to TV sets and because they want the Denver market the big 12 the last go around was interested because they want to get back into Denver and also partly because I guarantee you outside of Houston there are by far, and I'll say be by three times, more alums from Pac-12 or Pac-12, maybe that too, Big 12 schools that live in the Denver metro area than any of the markets that they added. KU fans, K-State fans, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, they live in Denver because they're in the front range because it's better place to live than Lubbock or Stillwater. And with all due respect, maybe places near Kansas City, Manhattan, those areas. All those alums live here. As soon as we would have a chance to be in that conference, we'll have 5,000 of their fans in our stands. And that takes care of part of the attendance issue, if you want to say. And it also upgrades, I think, fan interest because we'll be playing a certain amount of competition. But to your point, that's why those schools were somewhat taken because the analytic points, it's not just the actual competition on the field. It's because of what else do they bring to bear? Fandom, support, TV market, 
all those things we have, that's what I'm saying right now is the wrong time for us fans to totally retract and say, well, I'm not doing anything in none support. Again, voice your displeasure, voice it, share it, be an advocate. But if you withdraw those other things and ignore it, you're hurting the eventual spot where we all want to be the one area that we can kind of control in this whole ecosystem of things we need to have to eventually ascend to that level. Well, and, and to your point, if you look at our, our season ticket totals, what about 12,000? I think it's closer to 15, but yeah, yeah. If 10% give up their tickets, if 10% give up their $100 donation to the Ram Club, we're not going to notice. CSU is not going to notice that. If that happens at a Wisconsin, at an Alabama, at a Nebraska, if they lose 10%, that's a big chunk. And they're, and they're going to notice that. And they'll make changes fast. For us, for us to do that, you're right. It, it's, it's counterproductive to what we want. Now, again, I'm very vocal. <laughs> you know, when I'm not happy, I, I let people know. And you know, you, you talked about those other teams. They were willing to make those changes. You know, we uh, Tuberville was at Cincinnati. Winning record, fired. You know, Applewhite was at Houston. Winning record, fired. They weren't afraid to go after, you know, uh, uh, Herman and um, uh, who, was, who was before him. Young guys that they knew was going to win, win now and going to use them as a stepping stone. For some reason, you know, we – got scared with McElwain in, in regards to that stepping stone piece. Um, and so, you know, we didn't hire Scott Frost, you know, UCF had no problem doing that two years after they went. Oh, and 12, they went 13 and Oh, 14, yeah. and 0, yeah. you know, because they weren't afraid to, to hire Scott Frost and they weren't afraid to lose Scott Frost. You know, you look at, I mean, you go back to, to Boise State in, in their climb. You know, they went from, what, uh, Houston Nutt was there. Um, Dirk Cutter was there. Yeah. Yeah, you, yep. you go, that's going back a ways. Yeah. And then Hawkins and then. Peterson. Chris Peterson. You know, yeah. it, it was one of those things. They weren't afraid, and it, and it was a total stepping stone job. Those guys would be there for four or five years, jump to the next big thing, and look where they're at now you know they're the top of the mountain west it, it, it's it, it we can't make hiring jobs of because we're afraid and i right. feel like we kind of done that the last two times and i think you see that with those four teams that are coming in you see that with utah state they were horrible two years ago they were horrible last year blake anderson has turned that program around you 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 mentioned fresno state a while ago they were horrible. Tedford, you know, he was just done. It, it, he needed to go. It was, it was just his time. They're one of the top teams now. San, San Jose State, they've always been a bottom feeder. They get a younger coach, somebody with some great experience. Now, they're the Mountain West champions. You know, it's, it's, it's something, but it's something that can change quick here. You know, and, and, and I don't know if it was you, Joel, talking about if we go 0-12. You know, there has to be changes if that happens. There has to be. I mean, I, how, how do you do that? that? Marty, how do, how do you do I mean, it's 
Well, I, I've I've also been you know taken to task because I've talked about recency bias lately. That you know talking about this is the worst time ever. We probably have a little bit of historical blindness as well because I, I wonder, and I don't know. I mean, I like Joe Parker. I don't have these kind of conversations. I'm not privy to them about the hiring process. But I wonder if in the back of his mind, even though he wasn't here, and I understand you aspire to get a guy to stay forever. I wonder if we as a fan base think, well, we're looking for the next Sonny, a guy that's going to stay here 15 years. Sonny was very rare. And maybe to Mike's point is maybe we have to say, look, we want to get a guy. And if he, and if he or she you know, is successful, we want to keep them as long as they want. But you know what? We've got to be okay with saying if we're successful and they want to leave in three and four years, that means the program should be on the right trajectory. I have issues with McIlwain, which I will address it. You know, I take up too much time talking about it. I like him, but I kind of felt there was a carpetbagger mentality to him because he was interviewing right away. And he ended up killing one of CSU's best seasons by not being there at the end. I blame the Air Force loss in him that year, and we looked crappy in the bowl, and I fully attribute that to him not having full focus. He might have gotten us there, but I always learned it's not how you start, it's how you finished, and you finished like crap for us, and that pisses me off. Um, and now he's at Central Michigan. <laughs> so – uh, so I, I don't know. I think I think we have to. And I also think we can't fall in love with the system. I think we thought lightning will strike twice, twice after McWayne will go the SEC route again. We'll get Mike Bobo. Um, and, and now, I, you know, maybe we try to do something else. We get a more grizzly veteran. And I say this. Urban Meyer was was, if you want to say the search firm. How do you how do you how do you go against what Urban selected in that in that process? And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know all that. I know, you know, the fan favorite was Tony and Tony's doing a hell of a job at, you know, he's one of us and doing a great job at Ohio state. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that is. I think you're right, Mike, we can't be risk averse. We can't think that the next coach is going to be here forever. We have to, I don't want to say take a flyer because people would say, well, you're doing it with Adazio, but I think we have to be saying I'm good to go with the hot commodity right now. And if they get us up to a level realizing we may lose them for a job that realistically pays more, yeah, and and maybe is more is more glamorous. I don't I don't envy anybody in those positions because I as somebody who's got a blind spot for CSU, I always think this is a great place to be. But I know I there are probably limitations with this program that are tough for people. You have to be cut of a certain cloth, I think, to coach at CSU for a variety a variety of reasons. I think it's wonderful opportunity. I think it's still a sleeping giant, um, but I also think that because of certain things, the university, maybe it goes back to that culture thing that there may be some limitations with it that maybe to some degree, you know, maybe gives people a moment of coaches, a moment of pause saying, well, all things being equal, I'd like to be here, but the path of least resistance may be university X than coming to CSU. I don't know. Well, they're not going to fire Adazio. I know a lot of our fans on the message boards are saying well, he should be done after two games this year. Like yeah, Helton was um, obviously we're not going to fire him. Um, He's six games in. That's reason number one. Reason number two, which is probably a bigger reason, is we're going to owe him five million dollars if we yeah. at any point this year. Three million, I think, next year. One point five million. I mean, so he's probably going to be here a little while. And do you have confidence that he can turn things around? And maybe it just needs more time. And this this question goes to not just him as a coach, but is he bringing the right players? I mean, do you have any level of confidence that we can see improvement? Uh, from this program this year and then beyond? Well, at least for me, it's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say no, but I can't obviously say yes based on what I've seen thus far. Uh, I, you know, I don't. I, I think he has to be given time to instill his vision, though so far 
in just a short sample size, that vision of being tough in the tr trenches and, and being aggressive and a little more nasty, I, I haven't seen it necessarily, or at least I haven't seen it in consistent forms to show me that we're progressing in the right direction. Um, you know, I don't want to necessarily say, I mean, there are some things I feel we are regressing on, but I, I just want to say right now we're kind of almost sort of sort of status quo. I mean, I hate to, I hate to bring it up, but, but the way we lost these last two games, I totally could have seen under coach Bobo's reign happening as well, because there are times I'm thinking this is just unbelievably confounding how we can come out each week and be a different team or be different one team for a half and be a different team in the second half. And it gets to adjustments. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what that answer is. I, I think we need a fuller sample size. And I think obviously you've got to see what he does the rest of the season. It's just that, you know, if he thinks, I'm glad he's thinking he's improving the problem though. Everybody else is as well. And I mean, it's going to be tougher sledding. And if I think if I, I feel if he thinks that he's going to continue to assuage us by saying, well, we are getting better and they're giving max effort and, you know, some of the other platitudes, but we're not seeing it on the field. That's not, that's not going to be a sob enough for, for the fans. It's like, no, we we're it's a results oriented business. It's not about how you feel and the most effort you give it. You're based on success and wins and losses. And at least right now, that's the criteria and there's no success because we have one win as you noted in, in six games. Well, I think if Bobo was still the coach, I think we would have had more than 22 points a game so far this year. So that may have get, got, hadn't been enough to get those wins. Um, but then again, who knows that I am not advocating that he should still be our coach. But um, well, and here's the thing. This is where things can change much quicker in college football than they could definitely in my generation. And even just five years ago, the transfer portal. I mean, there are, you can replenish real quick and you can also lose kids because the issues lost some kids in that process as well, but you can replenish, you know, and, and build quickly in places that you're weak that you couldn't before. Now that can be a double-edged sword because then you say, well, how much coaching are you doing of younger talent? And if you're relying, and I'm not saying Adazio is, but if you're one of the, just like when they used to rely a lot on Juco products is like, are you not coaching up your freshmen enough to have them sustained in the program for more than two years? That to me gets into some of the cultural fit with the program. So I think the portal could be a, a, a great assistance to us right now. Cause I think CSU is in a transition phase, but I also don't want it to be the crutch because I think you got to go out and recruit the young guys and get them indoctrinated in our culture to want to be a part of this and be something greater than themselves. I, I miss the days of having guys for three, four years and how, how long those, those guys are few and far between. And it, it seems like, so I, I want to get that in the program as well. But if you can pick up a couple guys in the portal um, that help with certain positions, I think that can go a long way to helping as well. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, that, if you want to say utility is going to help get CSU, if you want to say turned around quicker than maybe we could in the past because the portal didn't exist. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great point with the portal. It, it's a way for a team to, to change almost overnight. You know, one of the things I'm looking, looking for to, to close out the season, I mean, we got 10 more games, but if we go 500 in the Mountain West, all right, we go four and four, then – then I think that, you know what, maybe he has turned the corner. Maybe the players are starting to listen, and, and he's changing that culture. You know, he, he's changing that mentality that, unfortunately, we've been kind of stuck in for, for too long. So if we could see that, if we could see that closing out this season, then, then you know what, maybe we do have the right guy 
in charge right now. Um, if not, I, 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 you know, I don't know the answer. You know, I truly don't know the answer on that. Well, it's not a bad point. I mean, because right now we feel like the sky is falling because we've lost two of the more, what you would think on paper are the more winnable games on our schedule, which we really needed if we were going to position ourselves for a bowl game, which is kind of what we set the bar at is to being, Hey, this would be a good stepping stone, right? But now you're going to go to Toledo. That's going to be a very tough game. And then to Iowa after that. So we're looking very realistically at 0 and 4. Then you got the Mountain West champs. I never thought I would say that. San Jose State coming. <laughs> yeah. homecoming. Um, you know, there's a real chance that you are 0 and 5 uh, to start the season. Now, when you think back to when Sonny had that, he his, this when he started turning things around in 93, you know, they got off that rough, so that slow start, but then got hot towards the end of the year. And what it did was, you no, know, we were not bowl eligible, but you know, we, we won what four out of the last five games, something like that. And you beat Wyoming on the road and then a bowl like, team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a bowl team. And you're like, okay, now we're going in the right direction. I feel good about this team. And you can start seeing components come together. Well, if that happens here, then yes, because to do that in this season, you're going to have to win on the road at Utah state. Who's looking better. You're going to have to beat Boise state for the first time ever. You got to go to Wyoming and win on the road. And you know that they're going to be tough and, and out to get us after last year. Then you got Air Force, who's had our number. Uh, we can never seem to stop them. Uh, maybe the one winnable game is at Hawaii there. They, they don't look very good. But then you close the season with Nevada, who's looking like world beaters uh, with this Carson at quarterback. They, they look really good. Um, and uh, so I think that if they did that, something like that, where they won five out of six to close the season, then I would start actually feeling better about the program because you would have beaten – some teams that, that we finally have beaten. Um, so that's, that's what it's going to take. And even if you don't go to a bowl game, which is very slim right now, you gotta, you have to show that, but we also kind of pointed at this has to be this. We had the makeup this year, a lot of seniors and a lot of senior leadership and some of our best players are seniors. Uh, they're not going to be here next year. So then, then you're starting over and you're taking a step back. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to be real excited right now, or real optimistic anyway, about, about the future. You know, that was, that was one thing that Mac did that first season. You know, we, we got that CU win and everyone's all excited. And then North Dakota state comes in and just smokes us. And then, you know, we're losing games, losing games, but we, we won three out of our last five that season. So if we could do something like that, win four out of five, four out of six, five out of six, like you said, then, then yes, I think we're we are on the right on the right trajectory. If again, if and if we don't, then then maybe we need to, to reevaluate it and see. You know, obviously Joe didn't make this hire because he didn't think it wasn't going to work because he's going to be tied to this a new a, a new president, and you're we're looking at this someone who has brought in with NCAA experience, someone who flat out said the first time. She spoke, you know, at the CSU alumni event at the Rockies game that she comes from West Virginia and they're not used to losing there. You know, I think she wants to win. And, and I believe McConnell is a great president in that regard. And so Joe didn't do this because, <laughs> I, I, you know, just kind of hearing people on the board and on, on social media, he wants to win too because his ties job is going to be tied to this. Well, and, and I, I mean, let's face it, and I, I'll bring it back to this and, and leave it to you guys. 
we've, we've for the past decade, the university was trying to position itself for something bigger to eventually ascend to a bigger conference. In this case, obviously the big 12, we built a new stadium. We've invested in coaches. We spent, we've spent by definitely by CSU standards, a lot of money to have this. We have a window and the window is, I I don't want to say it's closing quickly, but it's definitely approaching to where, again, we check off the boxes in a lot of areas, but one of the things we got to do, we got to continue to support, advocate, do those things, watch them on TV and, and the program has got to got to start winning. And, and to your point, Joel, you know, Joe Parker's legacy is tied to this. You know, he's got Big 12 connections. Joyce McConnell came from West Virginia. Big 12 connections. This is all snowballing to this point. We got to continue to advocate and support. But to, to that point, Coach Adazio has got to win sooner than later, because I think the administration knows that they have a window of opportunity and they don't want to miss it. So if, 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 you know, I say within reason, if things don't get turned around, you know, this year in some form or fashion, whatever that looks like, and next year, I don't think CSU would be afraid to pull the trigger. I don't see this being a four or five year thing. I think they realize shifting sands are too much now. This is not the old days where you give somebody five years to build. Things much move at a much uh, faster rate. So I, I think Adazio will be given the opportunity, and he should be. But I don't think it's going to be the long launch and the long porch that we're used to seeing, even by CSU standards uh, in the past. All right. Quick reminder that Mighty River Brewing Company is having their third annual Riverfest event the 18th. So coming up this weekend, they will have live music, Oktoberfest style Mars and Lager, German food and great times. Stop by Mighty River. Uh, they You can get dollar off your beers any day. Um, they serve $5 beers on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, they bring in food trucks throughout the week. Um, so great place to stop by at any time, but the Riverfest is going to be awesome. Really encourage you to stop by there and uh, check out all that they have to offer. It is a great, great time. Marty, um, you, you've seen other former players. You probably heard a lot of them not being real fond of the, the university right now. Um, their connection with the university, maybe not feeling a part of the university, not liking some of the decisions, obviously Alfred not getting the job was part of that. Um, you, you though are green and gold through and through, um, not saying that they're not, but you, you continue to engage and you continue to support and follow financially and in the stands. And, um, why is that different for you than, than others? You well, well, first off, a lot of those guys, and I was talking to my good buddy, Scott Dorr, who, you know, it pains him. We all talk about it, it hurts our hearts and souls and you know, and, and Scott Dorr says, I gave my body for that program. And I said, yeah, it's guys like you that put CSU on the map with that first bull win. My class, but I graduated early because of my injuries. I guess I engaged because I think the one thing I can control because I'm such a marginal player was the fact that I can advocate, the fact that I work in media, the fact that I'm fortunate enough that I have the, the time and talent and the treasure to donate because I feel so indebted to the university, not only athletically, but very much academically as well. And, and it, quite frankly, it's selfish. I think as the university gets more prestigious, it adds value to our degrees. Uh, you know, they say, oh, you went to Colorado State University. It's one of the most world-renowned vet schools. There's a really good business school. Or, hey, you were a, you know, communication study journalism major with that emphasis. That, you know, they've turned out some good people there. It helps raise and elevate our profile in the process. And that's why still engaging with the sports as a, as a tool in the front porch is that language we heard for decades, you know, or a decade leading up to this. That's why it's important. That's what I do because I feel like that's how I can help because 
I, I see and I sense and I, I very much understand and appreciate the distress of some fans. And, and that's what I keep saying. The, the folks that I excoriate by saying, don't compare us to USC, I feel their pain. Don't think that people like me don't. We're former players, you know, and, and some of them are much grander scale. I saw the Joel Dreesons and the Mike Brazels and stuff that were at the recent, you know, and John Larita, one of my former teammates. We all hurt with this. We all want to, we all want to win. But the thing we can do as fans is continue to support and advocate. So for me, I feel like my greatest asset and weapon is to continue to do that, to be, I think, an honest critic. I want to be an honest critic about it. I try to take off the green and gold glasses and, and assess it in a fair way. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's like family. I don't like other people running down my family. Only I can do that, right? You know, it's that whole thing. Don't No one can mock my family but me. I feel like we can mock our family, but we also have to, you know, also realize Hey, the situation we're in is imperfect. So let's not tear it down, but also not offer, if you want to say words of encouragement or come up with solutions. I always hate when people complain, but saying, well, what can you do? What can we do to change and help the situation? That's realistic. You know, not we'll fire the coach. No, what can you do? Well, I continue to support, but I will be critical. And I'm saying, that's fine. Again, that's a way of engagement. Engage, share, advocate getting people's ears and saying, I'm still supporting the program, but I maybe don't like the direction. That is a part of it. It's just when people totally withdraw is, is the issue I have. So to your point, I feel like I need to continue engage and almost engage more because we're kind of at a, at a crossroads a little bit, just because the timing of everything else that's going around, that's the issue can, but some of the things it can and that we can as fans. Well, a couple of questions. Um, before I let you go, and uh, I know Mike wanted to ask you a little bit about this. Um, he had to jump off, go to his doctor's appointment. But was it your freshman year in 86? Or Yes, it was. That was a great time to join the, the squad there. I mean, they you guys beat Colorado on the yep. road. Best, best, game, best game I never played in. Best game to be in civvies on the sideline ever. And, but, and it but, was awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're, you were part of it. You're part of the, the environment there. Uh, also beat BYU, beat Wyoming that, that year. Um, what, what was that memory of the, especially the CU win in Boulder? Well, I mean, as a kid growing up in Colorado and, and, and hearing about CU this, CU that, and my teammate at Columbine, Paul Rose went to CU and, and played on their national championship team. I just remember my whole time in high school, oh, you're going to go to CU and, and this, and not just him, but a lot of people going there. And, and at the time, CSU had a, a little bit of an image and insecurity problem. And, you know, we, we were, we were a little, too, you know, okay with saying, well, we're just that little state school in Fort Collins. We didn't brag upon ourselves enough or what we should have. So the fact that we came up and beat them in Boulder, which hadn't been done in, you know, forever or whenever, that was a pretty big deal. And that was pretty, pretty transformative. And I, and I think, I think that carried us on for the rest of the season. And sadly, there weren't as many bowl games. We finished six and five, honestly. Well, and we, probably should have beaten Utah or UTEP that year. We lost two bad games in the process besides winning a few good ones. And we did lose to Air Force that year, 24 seven, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that, that should have been a bowl team, but enough bowls didn't exist, but that, that really was a good catalyst, but we didn't, we didn't build upon it. Um, and it took, and again, six and five, but then one and 11, one and 10, they brought in Earl Bruce and even Earl Bruce's first year, five, five and one, he started to make that transformation. And then it was that next year that 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 my freshman guys, my freshman class, they continued on and, and won that Freedom Bowl. And that kind of got started. But even then, in the Earl Bruce years, he had a couple bad years after that. And they made made that change. And we we got extremely fortunate by by getting a guy, getting a guy like Sonny Lubick. So I guess it's CSU's 
had the ups and the downs, had the greatest length of consistency with Sonny by far. Um, but I think that's because he brought stability. I think the kids he recruited, the local farm kids, he, you know, the, the Holyoaks and, and the brushes and kids from those areas, besides the tremendous pipeline we had to San Diego, you know, at a time, the only school that was out, recruit, out recruiting us in San Diego was USC. We used to get, you know, usually some of the better kids out of that, that pipeline that came here. The Moses Moreno is one of the guys that, that's an example of that. So I think we, to some degree, there's some of those things that we can embrace and do again, but it's a different culture, different time. But I think we have to start thinking, who are we? What are our roots? What are we, what, what are we known for? And that's why I said, hey, we're a lunch bail team. We should never overlook anybody, not a UNC, not the South Dakota State. That's not how our program's built. That, we're not an arrogant program. We're the kind of guys, I think we can stand toe-to-toe, but you know what? We're humble enough to realize that we're regular guys and we got to bring our regular, you know, tremendous effort every day. You know, we just don't walk into the field and people faint. We got to show up and, and represent. And I think to some degree that's somewhat has been lost over the past couple of years with, if you want to say that toughness and tenacity that I was used to seeing with CSU, uh, you know, especially in the sunny days. Great points. I'm, I'm right there with you. I appreciate all your perspective today and, and agree with really all of it. Um, I, for guys like you and, and a lot of these long timers, former, former student athletes and people that we go to games with all the time, I, I'm just so, so ready for some positivity from the football yeah. program. And I think we could all use it. And, um, you know, it'd be nice if, if this, this weekend they could surprise us and pull off a win and, and kind of give us a little bit of a spark and, and some sunshine heading into the middle and, and second half of the season. I agree. And, and I, I'll tell you what, I, I want to give credit where credit's due. I don't know about you, but I, I got to tell you, the student section the last two games, and I say especially the first, you know, they had that lightning warning. And I was like, I was just like, holy crap, look at those students. They're there. The university and, and the programs have really tried to embrace and teach them the culture of the university. It's something we obviously didn't do in my day. And again, things are different. You know, I'm an old guy, but it's neat to see that. I don't want to see us lose that. I want to see them embrace them because you, as you say, the students, the young people, they're hungry for the success and win too. And if you just give them a little bit of that and then build upon that, you're going to see the younger generation pick up kind of where we are and they'll continue that momentum and going with it because you were in that generation of seeing the great sunny teams. It was right, you know, almost right in the middle towards the, the end of those great runs when you were there. And it's just, it's, it's that generation that sees that success and continues to be philanthropic and advocate. When I see the fans of these past two games and I'm like, I'm disappointed in the results for myself, but I'm disappointed for them because they're there, they're students and they want to be proud of their university and their team. I, I want to continue to capture that mag- magic. And I, I'm, I, I, I give total effort to the university to initiating those efforts and bringing them in and teaching them, you know, the culture, the good things, the fandom. And, and I hope we can continue that going because I often think that goes a long way to, to bolstering the team as well, knowing that the students are behind them and we're all behind them when they're there in that stadium. Yeah. I mean, I, I have good friends with kids who are seniors, you know, been there for four years. They have not seen even close to a winning season yet. So that's a, that's, that's one college experience that you yeah. lose that, that potential fan going forward. And, and I, I, I thought the same thoughts, Marty it was, Oh God, I wish we didn't waste the enthusiasm and the momentum we had a chance to build on with those, the students were fantastic. I thought their students are pretty good last week too. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, you also give props to, I, I think they're doing everything right. 
the university, the, the stadium operations, uh, the game day experience they're creating, um, the actual in-stadium, um, you know, the lighting and the, you know, the sound and the promotions. And um, I, I think they're doing everything right. If we could just match all those good things. And, and in the videos you see, the social media videos, their video department, the creative department is amazing. Um, they're doing everything that you would see out of a big time, you know, athletic department. We're just not having the results match on the field. And that's what's frustrating. So um, uh, hopefully one of these days we can create a perfect storm and put it all together. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm always, I'm always hopeful. I'm, I'm always, always hopeful. That's just, that's just how I'm built. So I'm, I'm hopeful. And I, I look forward to Toledo this weekend and, and hope somehow we, we get it together and say we're playing good in all phases and, and maybe surprise some folks, you know, that think otherwise of us or think we're the worst college football team in D1 right now. Well, Marty, thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Uh, you are awesome. Always appreciate talking to you and, and getting your perspective and always have such well thought out, uh, commentary and and uh, just appreciate you well I, i'm honored that you thought of me joel and and as always go rams and thank you thank you bud all right that was marty lands really enjoyed that all right before we go let me remind you to stop into the cash restaurant at ginger and baker grab a cocktail get a wine from their award-winning wine list enjoy some hand-cut Colorado steaks and chops fresh fish they also have a to-go window where you can grab house-made carnitas, breakfast burritos, veggie quiche, homemade banana pudding with vanilla wafers, just grab it and head off to the office. A lot of great stuff. Ginger Baker is one of my favorite places at all Fort Collins. Ginger Graham is one of my favorite people ever. So I uh, hope you support them. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Marty Lenz for joining us and Michael Rowe. Uh, hope everybody has a great rest of the week. Go Rams at Toledo. Uh, and it's getting close to basketball season. So, all right, have a good one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.